0: just how beautiful you are And how great your affections are for me and oh, how he loves us Oh, oh, how he loves us How he loves us all oh. me, love's like a hurricane, I am a tree Bending me, the weight of his wind and mercy When all of a sudden...
1: Good morning. Let there be light, and there was light. Uh, just so you know, after the uh, sunrise service, and we'll come back here, and we'll have uh, breakfast, and then we still have all of our regular services as well. Great opportunity to invite a guest, you know, with you to come. People are more prone, you know, to go to a church service at Easter and Christmas than any other time of the year. You, you probably know that, right? You know that, okay. Um, just a couple of announcements. Um, uh, last week we took an offering for, uh, you know, girls and some guys who are caught up in sex trafficking, um, and um, Eric uh, Castro he ran in a marathon in California at the Dream Center to raise uh, awareness and to raise monies and all to help in this uh, tremendous area of ministry. And uh, you, I don't have the exact figures, but I'll let you know next week uh, as far as what they all raised nationwide, uh, supporting the Dream Center. But I know that you guys, when we took an offering, you gave $4,000, so that was awesome. I appreciate your, your gifts. And I told you last week we we're going to take another offering at the end of this service. And, um, you know, for, it's been two weeks now. You probably saw it in the news that there was a, um, a landslide. It was really a garbage slide and a huge uh, garbage dump. It's been accumulating for 50 years in Ethiopia, in Kora. And, um, you know, some of the kids who are in our program that we sponsor did not survive that, you know. But we're going to take an offering at the end, and I'm going to show you a, little, a video, give you a little update on what's been going on. But the ministry in Ethiopia is not somebody else's. This is yours. This is ours. There's nobody else outside of us who support these kids, other than us, unless you told a friend and they sponsored a kid, you know. And uh, to be honest with you, we only we only have sponsors for 150 kids, but how? how difficult it is to turn a kid away who's there at the gate wanting to come in and eat. You know what I'm saying? So we've actually been feeding about 360, but we only have sponsors for 150. So it's really been depleting our resources here to keep that going, but it's hard to turn folks away. And we'll let you know more about that at the end of the service. But I would ask you not only consider maybe an offering to help them out, In this crisis. Right now, Faith Living Church in Ethiopia is the ones who's digging the bodies out of the garbage and helping in that way and performing funerals and things like that. But I would challenge you to perfectly consider maybe sponsoring one of the kids who is in great desperate need there in Ethiopia right now that that we're uh, trying to help out. Uh, Let me see here, what else was it? Oh, last night we had an awesome uh, water baptism. I don't know, it was 23 or 4. Or maybe more people got baptized. The place was jam-packed. Kids was all around the place up here as we just celebrated. It was, it was awesome. It was fantastic. Uh, let me see. Is there something else I was going to tell you? It seemed like there was. If I think of it, I'll tell you a little later on, though, okay? <laughs> okay. Um, you remember what we've been talking about for the last uh, three weeks? This will be the fourth week. What's that? Love out loud. Y'all remember it. That's awesome. Oh. Love out loud, which is really talking about love in action. Love out loud. Make it visible. Make it, make it obvious to people that, that there's love there. And that's the way that God, he loves us. He loves us out loud. He genuinely does. In 1883, a young clergyman, Reverend Joe Roberts, arrived by stagecoach in a blizzard to minister to the Indians of Wyoming. This great wild area had been assigned to the Protestant church by President Grant. Soon after Joe Roberts arrived, the son of the chief was shot by a soldier in a brawl. And Chief Washakie, he vowed to kill the first white man that he met. Since this might mean the start of a long bloody feud young Pastor Roberts decided to take action. Seeking out the Tifi, 15 miles away in the mountains, he stood outside and he called the chief's name. And when Washaki appeared, Roberts opened his shirt. I have heard of your vow, he said. I know that the other white men have families, but I am alone. Kill me instead. The chief was amazed. And motioned him into his tent. How do you have so much courage, he asked. And Joe Roberts told him about Christ, his death, his resurrection, and his teachings. They talked for hours. When Joe left, the chief of the Shoshone had renounced his vow to kill and had resolved to become a Christian. Washaki had experienced love, in action. love out loud transformed his life look what it says in the book of John chapter 15 verse 13 it says there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends that's that's what the Reverend was gonna do there lay down his life for other people he didn't even know him as of yet but is that not what Jesus did for us he laid down his life gave his life that you and I our sins would be forgiven He gave his life so we could live. So it says, and Jesus is the one who's saying it, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And then he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. That's what Jesus said. So as we're winding this series up about loving out loud, I'd like to uh, read a verse that we started off with. In Mark chapter 12, verse 28, it says one of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the discussion. More of a debate, if you would, as these other religious leaders were, you know, trying to catch Jesus with some words that that would justify them imprisoning him or killing him or something. So, one of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the discussion, and he realized that Jesus had answered well. So he asked... Of all the commandments, which is the most important? Now, see, the scribes had determined that the Jewish people were, you know, obligated to obey 613 commandments in the law. 365 were negative, thou shalt not. And there was another 248 that were positive, thou shalt. And, and the scribes had determined these, the Jewish people, were obligated to obey. And, and one of the favorite, you know, exercises or pastimes that these scribes had, these religious leaders, were, were discussing which of the commands was the greatest. So this was a common question that they would debate amongst themselves. And just to show, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were all the same story told by a different disciple. So I want us to look at Matthew, and it kind of gives us a little glimpse into this guy. It says in Matthew 22, verse 35, it says, One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. It spells it out clear. They were trying to trap Jesus with this question. Here's the question, you know, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? So they were trying to trap him, but Jesus answered, well, So going back to Mark chapter 12, picking up in verse 29, Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. And and you remember how he starts it off? He goes, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. See, Jesus was replying with the traditional Jewish statement of faith. Uh, This was a direct quote out of the book of Deuteronomy chapter uh, 6, verse 4. 9. And this was recited, you know, by devout Jews every morning and every evening. So Jesus was answering this religious leader's question with what they all would quote or recite twice every day. And then he he went into more detail. But let me just read it to you. This is Deuteronomy. This is what Jesus was quoting here. And he said, Deuteronomy 6.4, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you're away on a journey and when you're lying down and when you're getting up again. Tie them to your hands as a reminder, and wear them on your forehead. I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with what a phylactery was, but the religious uh, community, the religious leaders, uh, you know, in the Jewish community, they had these uh, black ribbons, and in the center of this old ribbon, they would have a little box, and they would take the scriptures, and they would roll them up really tiny, they'd write on it, and they'd roll them up tiny, and put it in a little box, and then the, the box was on a ribbon, and they would tie it around their head. Because when the Bible said, keep my word before your eyes. Now, I don't think he really wants us to go get a box and stick it on our head. But that's what the religious leaders did. And they had another one on their hand, a little box there with a ribbon tied there. So, you know, the, the, Jesus wanted our, his word to, to find expression in our hands, in our actions, And he wanted us to keep his word going into our, 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 our heart through our eyes. They kind of might have missed that just a little bit, you know. But this is what's going on. So he says, this is Old Testament, tie them to your hands as a reminder and wear them on your forehead. Just like he told us about sheep, so we'd understand the Lamb of God in the New Testament. He was telling these simple practical things, so when we get to the New Testament, we would live it out loud, if you would. And he goes on to say in verse 9, write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So if you go to someone's home and you see a little plaque it has a scripture or something on it, that's biblical. That's what he wants to do, to, re- to remind us of it, to talk about it, sitting down, lying down, getting up, walking, whatever you're doing, we're to be repeating them again and again and again and again. Then going back to Mark chapter 12, verse 30, it says, and you must love the Lord your God. So they all knew, oh, Jesus is doing the same way we do. He's repeating the, the Shema. Uh, over and over the way we do, and, and he's pretty much on target here, you know. So uh, in 1 John four nineteen, it says, we love each other. How many of you love somebody? About three-quarters of you? Okay. <laughs> Hopefully that'll change after the last It'll be 100%. He says, we love each other as a result of his lovingness first. See, he gives us the capacity To love, because God is love. We don't really have the capacity to love without what he has, you know, poured out upon us, his love, you know. And our greatest devotion to God cannot compare to his love and devotion for us. My first assignment 35 years ago was to an inner city church in Washington, D.C., Money was stolen from my room. The garage mechanic said that my gas tank may have been sabotaged, which destroyed my engine. One weekend, we had 34 windows broken in the school. When a new pastor was sent to help us, we had a welcome party, and some teenagers left the party and started a rumble. The civil disturbance unit of the Metropolitan Police had to be called out. One of my pastor classmates going to the hospital to visit a sick man had his car stoned at the stop sign. A group of us in the church realized that we were either going to make the church into a fortress, more bars on the windows and so forth, or we were going to reach out and try to change the lives of the young people who lived around the church. So we announced a retreat weekend in the country. It was going to be free to any teenager who wanted to attend. The announcement was a stepping out in faith on our part, since we actually had no money for the event. We simply trusted God would provide the means. Our hearts were touched by the generous response of people. A bus company donated transportation. A classmate from college donated some funds. Another group gave us food. The retreat team... Meanwhile, we're praying and studying together. We each wrote and received a reviewed witness talks. The big weekend came, and we all found ourselves at this beautiful church camp on a wide river. We enjoyed dinner together. We had recreation, a witness talk, a prayer session, and then bedtime. I fell sound asleep. Many of the teens got up and created Chaos. Any of you ever create chaos when you was a teen? Some of you are not going to say, because your other teenagers are here now, right? Anyhow, this is what happened. They raided the kitchen, and they had raw hamburger fights. Can you imagine the hamburger that was stuck on the ceiling and the walls and all over the place? They threw heads of lettuce at each other. They flooded the bathrooms and broke out the screens. The boys raided the girls' cabin at 2 a.m., Next morning, the adults were devastated. And a lot of the teams were upset. We decided we'd have to call the bus company back immediately and and leave before the place was burned down. Then one man said, let's separate the boys and girls, and he was a layman, let's separate the boys and girls into their cabins and talk to them. It was the only positive suggestion. And I will never forget the look of those boys When I walked into their cabin, their faces looked like hardened steel. They had lived with violence and heard every kind of reprimand. They were ready for anything. At a loss for words, I said the most intelligent thing I may ever have said. I turned to the layman who made the suggestion in the first place and said, You go ahead, Bob. He looked at me. The pastor puzzled, but then he spoke. You men did a lot of horrible things last night. You upset the women and the girls. You destroyed food shared with us by poor people. You destroyed property that good people trusted us with. You created a mess, but there's one thing you didn't do and one thing you can't do. This got their attention. They wondered what they hadn't. And couldn't do. He continued. No matter how badly you act. No matter how much grief you cause. You can't make me stop loving you. I care about you. And when you need me. I'll be there for you. Nothing will ever change that voice. The boys expressions changed completely. They had no defense against this unconditional love. They begged to stay. They promised to be good. We gave them another chance. They spent the afternoon working with the maintenance man. and We had no more problems with conduct. We received complete cooperation. The retreat turned out to be a very grace-filled camp. All because one man knew what it was like to love others as God loves us. And you know what? If we'll follow God's command and we'll love out loud, we'll put our love in action. It will bring about transformation in other people's lives. Did you know that? How many of you believe we should love out loud? Let me share. You know our weekly challenge that we have, that I give felt every week? This is not this week's. This is last week's. And uh, let me just share with you what it says on here. And I am so thankful for the person that sent me this. And this is all that it says on here. And there's no name, no phone number, no address, no anything. It just says, first-time visitor. Music and sermon, very nice. But not one person introduced themselves or welcomed me. Not congruent with your message. So, what I'm going to do, you know in the old... Day when they had the knights the of the round table and all that kind of good stuff, and they would make a man a knight. I am knighting all of you as greeters and welcomers to love out loud anybody who comes in our building. Would y'all help me do that? That was pretty weak. Yes. <laughs> Must have been this service those folks are at. But I'm sincere when I say that and you know it's it's hard to get out of our comfort zone sometimes you know we're afraid to introduce ourselves sometimes I understand that you know there's people and you might be one of them and I'm I'm so sorry but there's people that I've spoken to and I'd ask them how they found out about our church you know and they said Pastor Ron we've been coming for two years I'm going like oh well I'm sure glad you're still coming you know <laughs> See, when I take off my glasses, I can see my notes, but I don't see much anything else out there. But in reality, you know, we would be hospitable in our home when someone walks in our door. And I'm just asking you, because we all get caught up in things, and we don't know because of our multiple services. We don't know if somebody's been coming on a regular basis. But it's better to to, uh, invite, uh, welcome somebody and get to know them if they've been coming for 10 years, uh, to ask them over and over and over than to miss someone who had the courage to come and visit us one time. And they found out about us online. And I am so thankful they left me that note. Because we drop the ball sometimes, don't we? We're not perfect, but will y'all help me to greet people and make people feel welcome when they come in here? And then we're going, love out loud. That's what we want to do. Well, let me tell you a little bit about love. In the Bible, there are several different words for love. And when you, when you just read it, it just says love, 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 love. But there are different definitions for this word love. You know, just like you can say, well, I love God. I love my wife. I love my dog. I love hot dogs. I like taking a nap. You know, I mean, and, and those are all different definitions for those different kinds of love. So let me just share a few thoughts with you about this love thing. The first one I want to talk about is agape. Now, agape is a self giving love that is not merited. It's the kind of love that guy gave to these kids who had created such chaos, self-giving. They didn't merit the love. They didn't deserve it, but he loved them anyway. That's the kind of love that God has for you and me. You know. And then there's a the phileo. Phileo love, that's what Philadelphia was named after, the, the city of brotherly love. That's what it's referred to as. But phileo overlaps. With agape. It's a love with affection in connection with friendship. You know, it's a, a love that's, that's warm and it's merited. You know, uh, uh, you're my friend, you did something nice to me, and I'm gonna do something nice for you. And, and we get together, we go to the same place, we, you know, and it's kind of a merited thing, but it's a, um, a loving, you know, that's, that's deserved. And then there's Eros. Eros expressing a possessive love and it's used mainly about physical, touchy kind of love and in contrast to agape, eros has two principles two principal characteristics and it's a love of the worthy I love you because you're so pretty I love you because you're wealthy I love you because I feel so good when I'm with you It's, it's the kind of love that's That's merited, you see, it's it's a love of the worthy. It's a love that desires to possess. I I want to possess you. I want to control you because I feel better when I'm with you. You know, kind of a a deal there. So uh, agape is in contrast at both of these points. It's not a love of the worthy. You know, and it's not a love that desires to possess on the contrary, agape love is a love that's based on, is a love that's not based on any merit like those guys who created the chaos. It's a love that seeks to give. Like, first, uh, like John 3, 16 where it says, God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his, his son's life. Whoever believes in him would not perish but then They'd be forgiven. They'd, they'd have eternal life. So agape seeks the highest good of the one loved. That, that layman was seeking the highest good for those teenagers at that camp. They didn't deserve it, but he he wanted to help them get out of that dark hole of darkness that they were in. And He just kept on loving them. He wanted the absolute best for them, though they did not deserve it. That, that's an agape love. Now, going back over there to Mark chapter 12... Where it says, and we need to love the Lord, you know, with all of our, our heart, and that's not hypocritical. That's that's without a divided heart. Where you, oh, I love you, and then I love you. No, it's an undivided heart. What it's talking about, and, and listen to this passage in Proverbs twenty-three, verse twenty-six. It says, "Oh, my son," this is God talking, "Oh, my son," and this is including women as well. So it can be, "Oh, my sons and daughters." Give me your heart. That's what God is asking of us. What will I answer be? Oh, my sons, oh, my daughters, give me your heart. And may your eyes take delight in following my ways. You know what God says in in, Isaiah? Isaiah. He says, my ways are higher than your ways. You don't do things the way I do. But you can learn my ways. And he says here, oh, my sons, my daughters, give me your heart. May your eyes take delight and follow in my ways. You can learn God's ways. Because you know what he says there? In the Bible he says, there is a way that seemeth right to a man. The end thereof is death. It seems right, because everybody does it. But see, the truth of it is, God's ways are so much higher than ours. Somebody punches you, you want to punch him back. But God's ways to turn the other cheek, to bless those who curse you, to pray for those that despitefully use you. And God has ways that are for our benefit. And he tells us that we can learn his ways. We really can So he tells us to love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul. That's our, our emotional nature, you know, utmost fervor is what he's talking about here, putting our our feeling and warmth into our affection. And uh, well, let's see here. Maybe we can learn a lesson from something here. Let's see if I can find it. Mm -hmm. There we go. Got a lot of stuff in here. all that noise for that candle. You know, the further wax gets from the flame, let me see here if I can create one of those. The further wax gets from the fire, the colder and harder it becomes. And the further that you and I get from Jesus, the colder and harder our heart becomes. If you have a difficulty loving people, it may be because you're at a substantial distance from Christ, who is the light of the world, who will set our hearts on fire, you know. But you know when you get the wax close to the fire. I can see it already. It's turning to liquid on the top. It's melting and it's flowing up the wick. And it's, it's, it's being caught up in the flame. And also the further wax gets from the fire the colder and harder it becomes. So let me ask you something about the condition of your heart. Is your heart cold? Is your heart hard? Do you have difficulty loving God? Do you have difficulty loving God's people? Uh, And absolutely, so many of them don't deserve it. But see, when you and I get close to Christ, love begins to flow. It flows warm. And it flows out loud as we get closer to him. And at the end of the service, our ushers are going to be standing at the door. And they're going to give you one of these at great expense to us. (laughs) I'm teasing. But what I want you to do is put it somewhere and let it remind you, hey, that's me. Am I close to Jesus or am am I drifting? Am I getting further away? Because it's very difficult to love as you get further away from the the source that is there. Um, Wilbur Reese, he writes with biting sarcasm. He says, I'd like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Would you like about $3 worth of God? He says, I'd like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep but just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of God, you know, to make me love a neighbor. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I want about a half a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. Would you like to have about a half a pound of God in your little bag there? That's what this guy was saying. I'd like to buy about $3 worth of God, please, about a half a pound of the eternal in a sack. How much of God do you want? And I do believe that you and I can have as much as we want. You know, I'd, I'd rather have this bag. This bag. Then that one, and just like fill her up. And I got a truck out in the back that's full of bags. <laughs> well, if you think about it, and I do believe this to you guys who are sitting here in the sanctuary and the guys who are downstairs in our overflow cafe, you guys up in the balcony, and all you guys who are watching online, I believe you can have as much of God as you want. You can have as much of God. As you want. How much do you want? You know, think about that. We're to love Him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. This is with our intellect, our oh, nature, and, and our thoughts and everything, you know, and love Him with all of our, our strength, our, our physical might, our, our energy, our intensity. He wants us to love Him with, uh, how can I say this? He wants us to love Him. This is where I do all my work. It's amazing how small these things get. But now, what what do all computers have in common? There's a hard drive. And there's something else. uh, The RAM. And God wants us to love him with all of our hard drive and all of our RAM. I mean, just fill the thing up to where it won't take no more and then you can upgrade, and you can get a bigger hard drive, and you got terabytes. And, and as we love him more, our capacity to love him increases. And, and he wants us to love him with all of our hard drive and all of our RAM that, that processes things, and it gets faster and, and faster. God wants you to love him with all that there is of you. That's what he tells us, you know. As Gustave Dorr was putting the finishing touches on the face of Christ in one of his paintings. he was a, a great painter. An admiring friend stepped quietly into the studio, and she looked with bated breath upon his painting. Dor sensed her presence and said, graciously, "Pardon, ma'am, I did not know you were here." And she answered, "Monsieur Dor." You must love him very much to be able to paint him thus. I do love him. But if I loved him better, I would paint him better. If we loved Christ better, we might serve him better. Isn't it best when you serve somebody because you love them? then you're just serving out of duty. It's my duty to do this. I got to love her because it's my duty. I got to love him because it's my duty. That don't even sound good, does it? But we want to serve God out of our love. And and if we could love him better, we would definitely serve him better. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 24, it says... May God's grace, and remember what grace is. Remember the acronym, grace, G-R-A-C-E, grace. The G stands for God's riches at Christ's expense. The riches of God that that Christ paid for on the cross so we could access them. And and we understand that grace is talking about God's enabling power, some of his favor. So when we read this, it says May God's riches that Christ paid for, may his power and may his favor and blessings, may God's grace be upon all who, what's that say? May God's grace be upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. And see, we know about love, the arrows kind anyhow. I love you if you love me, you know, kind of a thing but that's not the kind of love we're talking about here. When he says an undying love, that no matter what happens, you don't ever give up. And we see it in this world. Now there's so much love that dies. There's so much separation and divorce and, and fighting and, and squaffling. That's not undying love, you see. But he says here, may God's grace be upon all. There's enough to go around for everybody. Upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ, with undying love. It was a daring prayer offered by Augustine when he said, Lord, hast thou declared that no man shall see thy face and live? Then let me die that I may see thee. There was a passion. There was a complete selfless love, personal, comprehensive love right here, wholehearted love, you know, I want to see you. I want to be closer, even if it costs me my life. Well, going back to Mark chapter 12, verse 31, it says, Jesus said in the second command is equally important, to love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Now, who is your neighbor? How far must they live to where they are no longer your neighbor? Now, I have a neighbor, Bob Sneka, and uh, Bob is my next door neighbor. Well, this past week, Bob went home to live with Jesus, you know, and Bob uh, came and uh, Bob and I became friends, you know, and I had the privilege of uh, leading Bob to faith in Christ. And I don't think there's anybody I spend any more time with than Bob, because he lived right next door. And um, he served here in VVA. He went through our membership class and all. And Bob has a a funeral this coming uh, Wednesday at uh, Farrell Funeral Home, 630 on Wednesday evening. But now, Bob is my neighbor. Now, what about the guy who lives on the other side of Bob? Do I have to love him, too? What about the people who live in Ethiopia? Are they my neighbor as well? Yes, they are. And the Bible tells us the second command is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you have a need, you want that need to be met. If your neighbor has a need, you try as much as you can to meet that need as well. It says in 1 John chapter 4 verse 20, it says, if someone says, I love God, but hates another Christian, that person is a liar. What's it say? Oh, a liar. If someone says, I love God, oh, I love God. But they hate another person, another Christian. That person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we have not seen? That's what the Bible tells us. So, loving out loud, we got to love people, you know. We got to just love them. And if we'll stay close to the flame, it'll be easy to do. If we get. At a distance from Christ, we'll grow cold and hard-hearted. And we won't love the way we're supposed to. You know, there was a farmer, and this farmer, him and his wife, had a, had a few chickens that, just for themselves to so raise some eggs and, and to invite one of them to a Sunday dinner occasionally and things like that. But their chickens escaped from their, their coop there, and, and a bunch of their chickens got over, into the, got over the fence and got into the neighbor's garden. Now, if you've ever had a garden, you know that there's a lot of hard work into that garden. And what they did, they didn't think twice. They just went out there and killed all the chickens, threw them back over the fence. Now, if you was the neighbor who owned the chickens, how would you feel about that? I hope their cows get in my yard. <laughs>
2: well,
1: what they did, they cleaned the birds, and they made the most awesome, sumptuous chicken pot pie that you have ever laid teeth on. And then they invited their neighbors for dinner. And they apologized right off. I'm so sorry that our chickens got into your garden. Oh, that's okay. And we thank you for taking care of them and all. and, uh, And we wanted you to come over and enjoy them with us. And they did. For real, they, they became friends and they led them to Christ. They were strong believers and they led their neighbors to Christ because they loved out loud. Did they deserve a chicken pot pie? Heck no! They deserved to go to bed about their supper after treating their neighbor's chickens that way. But see, that was love the way God does it. He loves uh, those who really don't deserve it. Well, over in the uh, book of Mark, chapter 12, we understand that the religious leader, he commented to Jesus, he said, you've answered well. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. Love your neighbor. That's that's awesome. You're right. And let's pick up where he was at there in Mark 12, verse 33. He says, this is more important than to offer all the burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law. To love God with everything and to love your neighbor as yourself is more than all the obligations and all the duty that you have, you know. And see, a lot of sacrifices, they represent an apology. An apology. Are you familiar with penance? Some some people do penance. They'll go somewhere that's got a great big long staircase leading into the church and they'll crawl up the stairs on their knees, even with gravel on it, and they're doing penance. They're trying to pay for their sins. See, you can't pay for your sins. Christ already did that. And you can't make a sacrifice. You know, the the mafia in some of the movies I watched as a kid, anyhow, they'll do all kinds of horrible things and bang, bang, shoot up a lot of people and rob them and all kinds of horrible things, but they supported their local church. Hey, y'all can build your new wing now, with all this money. It was just a little sacrifice or offering to kind of make up for the bad things that they had done. Now, listen to what the Bible says. In 1 Samuel 15, it says, But Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? And then he answers his own question. He says, Obedience. Is far better than sacrifice. Listening to him, the Lord, is much better than offering the fat of Rams. Now, what would you like? Would you rather your kids just disobey you all the time and come back with a little present to make up for it? Or would you rather them obey you? Don't say presents, okay? (laughs) I'm coaching you the proper answer, all right? No, you know it as well as I do. Obedience is better than a sacrifice. And that's why God He wants us to obey him because that's a demonstration of our love. Because he only asks us to do things that's good for us, that's healthy, that benefits us, that's safe for us. It says in John 14, 15, it says, Jesus is talking. He says, If you love me, obey my commandments. That shows true love because talk is cheap. He says, If you love me, obey my commandments. And he tells us to love him with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. And if we love, we're going to do what Christ tells us. There's a little girl, and she stayed for dinner at the home of her first grade friend. The vegetable for the evening was buttered broccoli. And the mother asked if she liked broccoli. And the child replied very politely, oh yes, I love it. But when the bowl of broccoli was passed, she declined to take any. And the hostess said, I thought you said you love broccoli. And the little girl replied so sweetly. Oh, yes, ma'am, I do. But not enough to eat it. (laughs) Oh, I love God but not enough to obey him. I love God, but not enough to obey him. Is that real love? I don't think so. I don't think so. Because if you really love him, because he, he said that, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. John chapter 14, verse 21 It says here, those who obey my commandments, this is Jesus talking, those who obey my commandments are the ones who love me, and I will reveal myself to each one of them. If you obey me, you're demonstrating you love me, and I'm going to make myself real to you. And you you know what my very, one of my very favorite verses in the Bible is? Anybody Anybody know? Romans eight twenty eight and it says, and we know that all things work together for good. Now, it don't matter what you're going through right now, it's a promise that everything that you're going through, if it looks good or if it looks bad, it don't matter, it's going to work together for good for those who love the Lord. And if you love him, you're going to do what he tells you to do because that's what's best for us and for our kids and all, you see. All things work together. We know that all things work together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His f- purpose. Now, if we're going to pray and then uh, if, if we could, while I'm praying, if our ushers could all go ahead and grab a bucket, we're going to take an offering. You're not obligated to, to give in this thing. I'd really rather you sponsor a kid, to be honest with you. But we're going to pray and then we're going to uh, show you a little video clip before we receive the offering but what we're going to do before the offering so don't pass it out yet if you're going to write out a check you write out at faith living church all that comes in will be sent to ethiopia right now to help those people who are in such tremendous need right now but i'm going to ask you to do something more important than what you put in that bucket in a moment and i'm going to ask you to do what god invited you to do at the beginning of this message he says give me your heart so let's bow our heads if we could And if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'd ask you to reaffirm your faith in him as we pray right now and acknowledge that we have given him our heart. But if you're here and you've never done this, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, I would ask you to join us to do that and give him your heart right now. He will be gentle and loving and kind with it, and he'll forgive all your sins and write your name in the book of life. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. That's why you sent your sons. And I believe that Jesus died in my place. And he paid for all of my sins. And then he rose from the dead. And I believe he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door right now. And I welcome Jesus. As my personal Savior, as my Lord and my King. Help me, O oh Lord, to love you and to love others out loud. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we're not going to pass those buckets quite yet. I want to show you a little video clip. You know, when we started this ministry, we had a lot of things that was going on. And there was a lot of communications that was going this way and that way. And Sue, she's really our administrator. We kind of gave her, not kind of, we did give her that total responsibility of doing all the communications back and forth. So there was no more confusion and chaos. And she's done a phenomenal job. But I want us to watch this. And then we're going to take up an offering for those uh, people. Uh, Faith Living Church in Cora is right now digging through those mountains of garbage, finding bodies. AND WE'RE TRYING TO FIND EVERYBODY. AND uh, THERE'S JUST a, A TREMENDOUS NEED GOING ON THERE RIGHT NOW. SO I WANT YOU TO WATCH THIS BEFORE WE TAKE THIS OFFERING.
3: IN JUNE OF 2012, AFTER MANY MONTHS OF PRAYER, PASTOR RON CONNECTED WITH A CHRISTIAN ORGANIZATION THAT HELPED HIM FIND A MISSION AND AGREED THAT FAITH LIVING CHURCH WOULD SPONSOR 185 CHILDREN in Kora, Ethiopia, an impoverished third world country. After a couple of years, it became apparent that the mission we had partnered with did not have the same heart for the children of Kora that we did and the same goals. We began to support the pastor who was doing spiritual guidance at the mission. His name is Pastor Tata Kifitu and we have helped him plant Two churches in Ethiopia to this day. He's in the process of planting a third and they're all known as Faith Living International Church. Pastor Tadic also started a feeding program. When we could no longer partner with the mission that we had agreed to partner with, we began working with Pastor Tadic directly and Pastor Ron asked me to be the person working with Pastor Tadic directly. What started out as us feeding 185 kids has become us feeding more than 300 kids. Two weeks ago, Pastor Tadic reached out to me and told me that the dump in Cora, which is less than a quarter of a mile from the location of the feeding program and Pastor Tadic's church, had suffered a massive landslide and that many families were affected and the potential for dead and injured was going to be in the hundreds. Pastor Todek began sending us pictures and stories of children whose families were impacted by this tragedy. Tamray sat outside the village and the feeding program. And when Pastor Todek had f- extra food, he would allow Ray to come to the program and have a meal. About six months ago, Tom Ray was able to join the program with Pastor Todek, get a meal every day, hear the gospel every day, and come to the church on Sundays. Her life was turned around and she ended up trusting Christ as her Lord and Savior. Tom Ray was the first reported victim from our program in the landslide. Tom Ray knows Jesus because of our support and Pastor Tadek's mission to the children of Ethiopia. Pastor Tadek also told me about a young boy named Binyam and his best friend Getu. Binyam was in our program, and one day he visited his friend Getu and Getu's mother and sister. Getu and his family lived in the dump. Binyam did not, but while Binyam was visiting Getu, the landslide occurred. Getu escaped. But his best friend, his mother, and his sister did not. Pastor Tadic has been caring for Getu since the tragedy and has bought him school supplies to encourage him to return to school as Getu lost everything in the landslide. Pastor Tadic has told us about a young boy named Adonais who's been part of the program for several years. His body was also discovered at the dump. He had a relationship with Christ and he is in heaven now. Twin girls named Kalkadan and Bemnet lost their mother in the landslide. They are in our program. Another young girl named Kalkadan who is in our program also came to Pastor Tadic's church with her mother and her sister Maron. Marone and her mother died in the landslide. Marone, trusted Christ, went to Sunday school in the program and she and her mom are now in heaven. So many children's lives have been changed for the better because of the work that we're doing in Cora. But right now there are many children who still need to be sponsored. My husband and I sponsor a little girl who lost her father in the landslide. And I wish I could go to Ethiopia and give her a hug but I'm thankful that we're part of her life and that she is surrounded by people who love the Lord and care about her and want to see her grow up to be a great woman of God for thirty-four dollars a month you have an opportunity to impact somebody for eternity whether you do one less lunch with your friends, a couple less trips to Dunkin' Donuts. I encourage you, sponsor a child and change a life and a destiny. The children who have gone to be with Jesus, who are in that dump the day of the landslide, are never gonna have to suffer again. They found what the Bible says, the hope of glory, and that's Christ. I pray that you will consider sponsoring a child and that we can continue to make the difference in Ethiopia. Thank you.
1: Now, if the truth was to be made known, you know, right now we have 150 children who are sponsored. But the amount of kids that come into that gate every day is 360. Because how do you turn them away? But that makes a major drain on Faith Living Church here. 150 who you and i sponsor some kids and that gives them the privilege to come and eat an awesome meal every day out of the month to come to church and hear about christ and you hear about christ every day to be a part of a church and get you know clothes for school and 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 books and all the things that they need medical attention all that that's a lot out of 34 dollars but we only have 150 sponsors, and if the truth was to be made known, at this very moment, all of our kids are not accounted for yet. There may be some more that they find in the, the dump. And the only reason they're in the dump, the only reason they're in the dump is looking for something to eat. And I think about my own self, how much food I throw away, how much I feed my dog and I think but these are people these are kids that we're making a difference in their lives nobody else just Faith Living Church they're our responsibility and I cannot encourage you enough to prayerfully consider sponsoring at least one or, or half of a kid maybe somebody else wants to sponsor half a kid you know and we're not going to split them you understand what I'm talking about right <laughs> Okay, I'm just saying, you know what? I don't know what people are thinking. Or maybe you say, well, I can't really sponsor a kid, but I can make a contribution every once in a while. Because see, Pastor Todd really has no financial resources that comes. The church is in Cora. It's in the garbage dump. They don't have much to give. The churches that are there and all the youth ministry that is there is because you have supported it. And we have it just about. Our maximum capacity. So I just wanted to throw that out there to you. As you are uh, given this offering right now, they desperately need it because of this special need that's going on right now. And it's become worldwide. Everybody knows about this landslide in Korah. It's on the television news a couple weeks ago. But let's not forget them. And so if you want to contribute now and you know, in the back, I don't know how many kids we sponsored this morning. I know last night there was five kids plus some other people who said, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll check into what we can do. I'll talk to my family, whatever, and we'll, we'll sponsor a kid or two. Uh, so there was at least five last night, and I don't know how many got sponsored this morning. But every kid, it takes the responsibility off of them. Like that first girl, the first one who had died in the, the landslide, she had come for a long time. And was just thrilled to be able to go and pick up the scraps that the kids dropped on the ground. And for six months, she's been part of our program. Where she heard the gospel and came to know Christ. I just want you to understand that what you're doing here today. It makes a huge difference to a kid. So if we could pass that. And then once we get through passing that, if, if you prayed with us a few moments ago and you welcomed Christ into your life, if you go to the Connections desk, they've got a gift bag for you. It's got a Bible and some other little goodies that will inspire your faith. And um, if you're a guest with us today, we have a, a gift for all of our guests. Beautiful gift, as a mind you. And uh, just one of our ways of saying thank you for coming. We hope you come back. And then as you're being dismissed, there'll be some folks around the altar up here who would love to pray with you because God does still answer prayer. And please keep praying for our kids and our church in in Ethiopia, okay? Just keep praying for them that God's blessings will be upon them and they'll recover from this thing. And our ushers, don't forget candles, paper bags at all the doors. God bless you. You are dismissed. Oh, wait, don't forget our... uh, our weekly challenge that says, I am determined to learn how to love God with my all and to love my neighbor as myself. If you agree with that, check it off. Drop it in the tithe box. You are dismissed.